Milwaukee's MX Fuel equipment system revolutionizes the light equipment market by delivering the performance and durability demanded by the trades. From the MX Fuel cutoff saw and MX Fuel sewer machine to the MX Fuel power supply and the MX Fuel tower light, MX Fuel has you covered without the hazards associated with emissions, noise, vibration, and the frustrations of petrol maintenance. MX Fuel, equipment system, equipment redefined. This episode is also brought to you by our friends at Ricks. Ricks is an Australian lifestyle brand founded with a mission to transform the eyewear industry by creating carefully crafted eyewear that inspires confidence. Everybody should be able to enjoy a touch of luxury and the confidence it brings. See the world differently today. Head online now at rickseyewear.com.au and check it out. Righto, let's get into the show. Um, Maddie, let's jump into some footy. Uh, I don't, I've never really asked you this from a younger age. I'm pretty sure Jared McNeil, my old house, my old, um, you know, pretty much my second dad. Yep. I used to live with him at the host family when I moved to, to Perth. He was your coach at State 18s, is that correct? Yep. And you're a really, really, like, you know, when I say, you, I know you already are a superstar in the way, I, like, the best teammate I've played with, one of. Um, but you were, like, one of the best inside mids, wasn't it? So it wasn't, there wasn't much adversity at under-18s yet, was there? It was all pretty smooth sailing, would you say? Yeah, I guess if I go back a couple of years, um, I played state footy in the 15s, 16s, and two years of 18s. But um, after the 16s car- carnival, everyone got selected for this AIS um, squad. I don't know if you or you. No, I'm the same as you. you know, yeah. And I didn't get picked, and I was like, oh damn, I thought it was going okay, and that was a real moment of like, yeah, maybe not, maybe I'm not that good, you know, type of thing. Okay. Um, but just like, yeah, obviously stuck at it from there. So yeah, Jeremy McNeil in State 18s as a bottom major, we won the carnival, which was great. Like, oh, you yeah, won it as well. Yeah, your Reese Palmer's, your Chris Mastons. Were same, bro. <laughs> <laughs> so that was awesome. Like they dominated, you know, Nick Natanui in the rack, etc. And then. The following year, I played state 18s again, but I was more of a midfielder. First year, I was as a half forward, but then midfielder, and I was all Australian, which was which was pretty cool in, in that regard. But had you know Natanui and Dan Rich and you know some great players around me. Um, Nick Nat putting on a platter. Dan got tagged as well, poor poor, poor guy, because he's such an elite kick. Um, opens up the uh, opens, opens up. up. So um, yeah, so like yeah, it was played a reasonable carnival in that regard. Um, Probably thought I was going to get drafted, and then all of a sudden draft day comes, and, and I didn't. So I wasn't like, oh. don't skip over this. Did yeah. you think you're going to get drafted and go early? Not go early, but in you know, speaking to my player manager at the time, and you know he's got his finger on the pulse. He sort of was like, looks likely. You know, there's no guarantees ever. Um, but I did the thing right where you're watching the draft with oh. your family and your mates oh, and all that Jesus. sort of stuff, oh. and it's like just sitting there. And I think I've, I've I don't remember it because I've probably blocked it out. But yeah, highly you know disappointing and almost embarrassing moment and and, the, and those sort of things. But fortunately, the the rookie draft was a week later, so I was like, keep your shit together, Matt, and and just look forward to that. And then um, luckily. Fremantle, you know, called my name out and I was able to stay home, you know, as a WA boy and, um, you know, that has, that has you know, benefits in, in that regard and um, got to stay, you know, close to family and, and my good high school mates, you know, the, the, the boys, the big, big Aces fans as well, particularly Heath oh, Prentice. Oh, big shout out to all of them. Read all their names <laughs> out. I've, yeah, I, I, the boy, you, you got some great mates. Ross Martin, Tim Garvey, Scott Martin. Peter Sarasini and then yeah, big and Roscoe, friends. you're listening. The best uh, speech of all time at Maddie's wedding. I still can't <laughs> believe how good that was for a bloke that doesn't doesn't talk much. But yeah, back to um, back to yeah, being a rookie and living in WA, which was such an advantage. Yeah, yeah, but um, yeah. So had, had the rookie draft got picked up, which was great, and then. 
think what I found that was that, you know, whilst I might've felt a little bit differently, like, cause back then you had to be elevated before you could play and, and all those sort of things. I just thought like, I'm just gonna come in and compete and give my best chance. And like, that's sort of what I've always done. Um, so, you know, I used to love playing on like Stephen Hill, who is a great player, but like the, our first draft pick and, and those sort of things. And I actually tore my hammy trying to sprint against him, but um, I felt like we were treated equal and everyone was given the same opportunity. So whilst there might've been this like hierarchy of rookie listed versus not, I just felt like it was an even playing field and I had every opportunity to succeed. So it's so well said, mm. being a first round pick and coming in, it's, you might think, oh, I've gone first. It's not, it's, it's 40, 45 yeah. on a list. You walk in, you want to play round one, put in the work. Correct, yeah. And I felt like I got given that opportunity and you know, Mark Harvey, forever grateful for the opportunity that, that he sort of gave me, but I wasn't afraid to go and speak to him. And you know how speaking to coaches can be quite daunting oh, at times. Oh, not daunting. They're just something, they're, they're not listening. Like, you've got that much going through their head, mate. You look at it, I think I asked Leon how his day, well, how he, what he do on Sunday? And he goes, ah, oh, fuck, it's Monday morning. He not know what he did last night. It's <laughs> just stressful shows you job. How, yeah, I, stressful I, I, job. And, hey, I'm just saying, like, yeah, you've got yeah, that much yeah. going on through their head. Yeah, no, they're exactly. thinking about T1 and you know who's available. No, exactly. So I used to go speak to Harves about like what feedback, what can I get, how can I get better, all, all these sort of things. So. Just tried to go in and, you know, whether it was in the gym or um, I had to work on my kicking and, you know, never mastered that, but like always had to work on there and uh, in the gym trying to get stronger so that I could, you know, match it with the bigger bodies and, and those sort of things. So just tried to get through that journey as quickly as possible and ha having reflected on it and, and something that um, Ross Lyon actually talked about was um, as a young player, you come in and you're unconsciously incompetent, like you don't know that you're not good enough quite yet like you just you think you've you know, been a good player in 18s or otherwise and it's probably just going to happen and then you quickly realize that okay you're consciously incompetent like you know that you're not good enough compared to like the Pavliches, the mundys the fives etc um and then it's like as you get better and as you, you know, optimize your diet and your routine and your training standards and your habits then you become consciously competent you go now i'm a bona fide you know afl player a late performer and then you go again and now you're unconsciously competent in the sense that this is just what I do. This is my routine. I'm in flow. Whereas, so I always th challenge the younger players and anyone listening on AFL or any sort of pursuit, how quickly can you get through those from being unconsciously incompetent to aware of that, to knowing what you need to get better at, to then this is just what I do. So for, you know, we had the mid-season draft, you know, these guys will come in. Some have got elite habits already, but some might not and go, gee, I used to think I trained hard. But then you see you know, Matthew Pavlich after a grueling session go and do 20 set shots just to practice under fatigue. I'm like, here I'm sitting on my haunches thinking I used to train hard. Mm. So there's always people that will test you and, um, and show you what's possible there. So to like surround yourself with those people is what I tried to do at Fremantle. Um, and yeah, for a large part, was a was a you know, part of the team and, and all those sort of things. And then, I mean, jumping ahead, but 2016, you know. Well, let's not just go back. Yeah. Let's just stay there. I want to talk about how lucky we were. You know, like, I look back now. You just talked about Saucy was on the summit, you know, yep. a, 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 an amazing person, someone I spoke to a lot because he was in a similar position. He was, you know, a fringe player come in, but he was different. He was probably, I was incompetent, you know. Like, he, he, was, he was delivering the values that we had internally every time he come in. But unfortunately, he just was the third string full back and you know the other two McFarlane and Dawson would take his spot he'd win the you know the trademark award which is the internal votes yeah. we'd give you know our player of the game who delivered on our our trademark and he would win it but then he'd have to go straight back he'd get dropped after that and there's a real conflict in, internally because you're going hang on you can't drop him because he just won our award but 
he's still not as, you know, in the eyes of the match committee, he's got to go back because we've got the other two above him. And you go speak to him as a young player and he had such a, you know, such a wise kind of, you know, I guess he had that drive and he'd get angry, but he'd pass on so many, um, so much knowledge to like blokes like myself and as an aggressive, you know, you know, you know what he's like, he's yeah. an animal, yeah. hardworking, but so smart and intelligent. And he used to pass that on and, you know, I think of him and I think of yourself and Pav and Sp- like Aaron Sandilands, Luke McFarlane. There's, I could keep going, right? Um, we were just so lucky. You know, I just thought there was such a great group of men, you know, and yeah. as a young bloke coming in, I, and, and as we'll talk about, we both leave the club and get the arse, but, um, but it's a blessing. But at the time, it wasn't. You look back and you go, we're so lucky to be involved in that footy club and meet so many cool blokes that we're all mates with today. And, yeah, 100%. And that's something that um, I, I, you know, you've got to, Pinch yourself sometimes. Yeah. Even sitting here, like I wouldn't have met you if I didn't go to Freo. But at the time, I was like, "Oh no, I can't believe I'm going to Freo. I wanted to go to Essen." You yeah, know? exactly. But, similar to me with being rookie listed, right? It's like, say I got drafted, and say I went to some other club, and it just wouldn't have met these people, and it would have worked out completely different. So there's no point thinking about it. It's mm. like, got to this club, great group of people, and then like, yeah, lucky or, or fortunate or, or otherwise, like. Great people. I remember, like, you know, particularly when we we're going, you know, well, like, we just knew we'd defensively crush teams and we were super well drilled. Everyone knew their role. Like, we used to, we used to before the game, you know, do the big man hugs before the, yeah. you run through the banner, like, just special times, right? Oh, and, mate. And I'm just great mates with so many people from that era as a result. Did we, we didn't win a premiership. It sucks and I'm, it doesn't still sit well with me, but the relationships I've got with these people will just transcend football. And as, you know, we get older and make families, you know, and all those sort of things and have catch ups, like, Super proud of that, um, but like, yeah, it was a high-performing time where it wasn't like all cuddles. It was Bro, like, it was intense. It was intense, right? It was it was intense, but like we look back on it and we we love that because yeah, of it. it it's almost one of those vines. It's like doing a boot camp, you know? Like you're like, ah, oh, it was intense, and geez, it wasn't good fun looking back. But I wouldn't, wouldn't want to do it again. Oh yeah, maybe different for AFL. I would want to do it again, but yeah, it's it was so intense. The anxiety that I used to have as a bloke that's pretty relaxed was through the roof after year two and three, understanding that, geez, there's still a lot of work to do, you know, to, to do to get in this side. Yeah, I think, and anxiety is interesting, right? Because it's sort of, that sort of might have been how you feel and then other people might have interpreted it a little bit differently because they just knew that that was required, that's the preparation, but you can't help the, the feelings. But what what happened was, you know, Ross would often get there earlier to meetings. It might be like five minutes too as well. And we'd start walking in like, you know, two minutes too or whatever. And you just like watch. And then inevitably whoever the last person that came in, he'd just go, Righto, um, you know, Tommy, can you just draw up the, you know, the, the stoppage structure for the Ford 40, you know, whatever it might be. The Ford 50 stoppage structure Ford we just recreated yeah. yesterday. Yeah, correct. Yeah, ex- <laughs> ex- exactly. And then I'm it's playing like, wing. So slow, he didn't say it, but he just slowly conditioned you, don't be last. Yeah. Because you probably get asked a question. And then all of a sudden he'd, he'd walk in, you know, probably five minutes too, and we were all sitting there waiting for him. Great. Okay. Yeah, boys, here we go. Um, and then it'd be like, or he used to have this, the bowl with everyone's number in it, right? I reckon I mean, it was rigged. I reckon it, it had just rigged. my name in it. He'd <laughs> rattle it and have everyone's number and he'd look at it and go, Tommy Sheridan. Yeah. <laughs> and like, do you reckon he lied? Do you reckon he just read up that? 100%. Yeah, 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 hilarious. Maybe to begin with, he thought he'd do it, but then he just would ask the people who he thought he wanted to get growth from, right? And, yeah. And move them. So, um, and like, I reckon he picked on you because he saw so much growth like and, and potential in you, which was great. But he'd say, Tommy, like, review the, the meeting from yesterday. And then if you gave anything that was like just, you know, generalist comments, he wouldn't cop that. Mm. And he'd just be like, not, not good enough, not sharp enough. So that's- Which was good actually, like I love, like- Which was good because- We're lucky to have someone so firm and le- I mean, le- learnt so much yeah. from the big fella. Like it's, you look back now and you go, yeah, it didn't end well. Like, you know, you get the, the, the ass, but 
just I'm grateful for the lessons that he taught and oh. moments like that because yeah. I don't really kind of miss them. You're looking for something like that now and you don't really get that opportunity, do no, you? No, the standards were at a high level, but that was his just his level, right? That's what his normal was. So we go, oh, it was intense. And people call me intense sometimes. I just think they're lackadaisical. <laughs> <laughs> he probably thought we were just you know, substandard at that time, but you quickly move with powerful leaders. They can bring you along the journey. So um, all of a sudden, everyone's reviewing the game plan, walking into the meeting in case I get asked and you raise a sharp on it. So you execute there so that when it came time for game day and whether you're in, you're in a tight situation or it's just you know first quarter, what do you do when they exit you know the 50? I need to be onside, I need to come forward to defend. Like It just sort of happened and everyone was sort of more well drilled as opposed to thinking about it or, or otherwise. Mm. So the, the way that he got you know everyone performing at a, at a high standard was like no surprise if you go back and review mm. the, the mechanics in that regards. Looking back, I just felt like it, the reason we're such tight, you know, tight mates and we all get along, we, we couldn't have given much more. I thought the way we applied ourselves, the effort was through the roof. We all knew the game plan. You know, it, it just didn't fall our way and almost like Hawthorne just had this ability to go, you know, they, I don't think their effort, I mean, it's hard to say because you don't know, but they were just so skillful and the way they kicked the ball and possessed it and held it and could slice through little gaps or go around our zone. They're probably the only side I look back on and when we played at Frio that we struggled probably against where Geelong's, we used to love it and we used to, you know, we used to really eat them up because we found that used to be really tricky cats. They'd come through the corridor and we had all these mechanisms that could, you know, see their spitters like Stevie JB spitting out of a stoppage. Our winger would pick him up and our half forward where you would play or Manny would pick him up if, if the winger didn't pick him up. Just thought we had so many systems where it's going to hold us in good stead ladder in life with you know business as well and all these things. We just had such a great game plan and every player played their role and the team was so strong on and off the field and yeah definitely you know, we couldn't have given much more as you said we fell short but um, oh there was special yeah. team Hawthorne right and Richmond like teams of the decade you know just yeah. like oh, super team so and oh, full credit to them but we did give it our best shot right and like the the game plan was um, you know was was great. It was hard to continually execute on it, but you know, and Ross would often say like, I can't judge the game plan unless you give it a hundred percent effort. And then if it's not working, I'll, I'll change it, boys. Not he put his hand up, which is one of the most powerful things. Going the footy program needs to get better. I need to get better, and I, I'll promise I will, boys. Who's coming with me? So when you see a leader do that, you're like, yeah, I'm, I'm in. Let's go. So mm. we tinker with the game plan a little bit, but one of the non-negotiables was always around like giving that effort piece and like to give a feel of what that looks like. The first package we'd watch on a Monday morning was the trademark package where um, you wouldn't see Pab's goals or you know Tommy's goals from 55 out or whatever it was. In the waffle. You'd see, you'd see Hayden Ballantyne's rundown tackles. You'd see Tendai Mazungu running you know, 150 metres off ball. He might not even touch it, but he, he covered like Garrick Ibbotson's man and allowing Garrick Ibbotson to come forward. And he'd highlight that to say, if we do this and we keep doing these things, then we will give our best chance at success. Like, Everyone wants to have 30 and kick three, right? Like everyone wants to do that. In reality, that's not possible. So by rewarding all of the people that make those like diving tackles or the smothers or the harder acts, like if you celebrate them, the people will keep doing them. Mm. And we did that for a, a really sustained period. Um, and then as a result, like we love our team, you know, Tendai Mazungu, like all these people who would play selfless roles for the team to give us our chance at, you know, our best chance at success. It's probably something that as a young player you didn't realise. You thought, come in, got to kick a goal, take a few bounces, look a bit Larry. or oh, I've played, you know, I, I, I'm going to find my feet where we knew that, was, you know, I found out anyway. It was like, no, 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 that's not what we want. We want you to tackle. We want you to be physical. We want you to, you know, at the right time, use your legs, play play footy. That's why you're here. But 
all this off-ball running, see blokes, man out, all that selfless stuff that we highlight first thing in the morning on a Monday, yeah. they were literally all we wanted. Yeah. And, and that's why we were good. It was like, you'd get to the club and be like, if I'm in an RFI here, I know I'm getting dropped yeah. as a fringe player. But if I'm in the positives, I know that everyone's giving me a poly shot. As soon as I walk out the door, everyone's yelling my name. They're going, Trano, you the man this week. And yeah, you'd, be, you'd be walking around like the man because you've made six tackles or you've spot had a, like a hectic back with the flight or something like that, isn't yeah. it? That was what we wanted. No, which definitely. Which quite, you know, no one would understand that on the outside. But we were literally like, carrying on give about me one of those was, trademark yeah, clips. You wanted it and yeah. it became really aspirational. I think, to your point, like role clarity is crucial in any pursuit. It's like... You don't have to go and you know kick three goals and, and do this. It's like, here's your role. We want you to do this and then just execute that. So one of the values at the time was like, um, like know your role, uh, accept your role, and then go and execute on your role. And by doing that, sort of removes the pressure of like, oh, I need to go and you know dominate the game and, and do that where it's like, no, no, I need to you know, create pressure. I need to create space. I need to do, you know, do X, Y, Z. And that role clarity made it going into games a lot, um, lot clearer. And then, you know, a lot more rewarding when you did do it because you go, I've done my role. Mm. No, you're well said. Do you remember the trademark values? Most of them. Because poor Matty, poor Matty Tavenar didn't remember them one day and he got crucified. He, oh, uh, yeah. I think he named four of the five. Was it yeah, five yeah. or six? Kind of five. Five, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Strong minds. Strong minds. 100% effort. 100, um, 100% yep. effort. Yep. Anywhere, anytime. Yep. Uh, there no, was one accept, no one accept. No one role. accept. An execute role. Execute role. What was the feedback part that was like yeah accept feedback act on feedback and it was almost like give that. accept give accept and act, act on feedback we're, going, we're a bit loose here we'd, yeah, be, yeah, we'd yeah. be sharper back in the day yeah, obviously yeah. when you move to another club you've got another set of trademark yeah. values they were great and it was something that like look back now I remember when we were putting these up the boys were presenting them you were in the leadership group I was like what the fuck are they talking about <laughs> like I'd never heard of this stuff before you yeah. know but um, yeah, wow, it, was, it held us in good stead and they were good times. Do you think before I moved to like the, the moment that you know, was started becoming difficult, um, what's your fondest memory at Fremantle? Like, is there one thing that just comes out and you go, that was special? Um, the win in Geelong you know, was obviously extremely special, but um, oh, I think it's just like, you know, it's hard to, you know, a bit corny maybe, but like the, the journey, right? Like, and I, I struggle to remember specific moments at times, but just like the feeling of like, you know, embracing each other before the game running through the banner and just being like hard tough you know operators getting it getting the job done and we, we never smashed teams right like we, we didn't kick the biggest scores but we just like broke teams with the yeah, pressure did, and like, it was just a cool feeling yeah, yeah yeah after the game you'd be like oh, how's you when you did this and <laughs> yeah in the showers and that yeah, showers, yeah, you, don't, yeah. you don't feel the ice bath because you're just so like engaged yeah, in adrenaline. that so just that feeling i think is um like was pretty special like, actually you're reminding me now we used to smack teams like as you said with our game plan and we but we was, I, I, the one thing I remember is I've never been more confident. Like it was almost like yeah. we're going to win today, but how are we going to win? Are we going to win playing the game plan so that Ross isn't going to whack us for only winning by 20 points and not executing in the fourth quarter? We always had that belief, especially when we were at our best. Yeah. So when you played as me, I'd come in the side all, and we talked about role, but I don't know, there was this belief and you're seeing it with Miami Heat and you're seeing it with... Um, you know, you see it with all the great teams, but there's this inner belief and that's what we had. And I don't think I've, you know, I haven't been a part of something like that for a long time where you rock up, you literally, as you said, you embrace 
everyone tells you what, why they love you before you run out and what you're going to bring. And then you go out and because you can't really talk to each other because it's so loud. Yeah. All of a sudden, it's so intense. And then after the game, you've won by whatever, 30 points and you're in the meeting room and the coaches are going, look at this, look at that, look at the numbers, our four KPIs. We smashed them here, we smashed them here, we smashed them here. Um, there might be a little bit of an RFI, but go have a beer and enjoy yourself, boys. And, you know, and then you do it all again the next week. And yeah. It was just special, wasn't yeah. it? I think that predictability to each other because we were so well drilled. Like yeah. I just knew you'd be there, like covering the yeah. man or, or doing whatever it was. So it just sort of happened as a result of that. But like full credit to like the Luke McFarlane. Like you look around and lot, you got oh, Luke McFarlane, man. Dave Mundy, Pavlich, Sanderlands. Like oh, wait, Stephen Hill, Stephen Hill, no, so many, Like yeah. you know, you just look around and go, "We're on, like we're on today." And I just need to play my role within this system. Mickey Barlow, you know, we could go on. Yeah, um, the boys were were smashing it. So. We had yeah, and great blokes. Uh, anyway, we could sit yeah. here for days. We need all the boys back here. It's, it's, we'll do that. Uh, Wanna, Special episode. While we've only got, you know, another 20, 30 minutes, I want to talk about, I, I thought you were shafted. You know, as a bloke that was, it doesn't matter what, you know, you can talk about how you felt, but as a guy that looks up, you're in our leadership group, you're a guy that we all value. We know that, you know, yeah, you're not moving like Stephen Hill, but you were so valued. So was Sauce, so was Mick, so was Moore, so was Maney, so was all these players that, that they were backboners of the leadership group and they were in the leadership group. Um, I remember Luke McFarlane retired, and then we, we, they, you know, we started to struggle in 2016 after a year where we nearly, you know, we we made a prelim and we just come up short, and then we had a real s- struggle 2016, um, and they just wiped a lot of players out. But what they fucked up with was they wiped out all our leaders, you know, all these blokes that in the locker room that. They don't understand young blokes are going to behind the, you know, the, the, the I guess the corporate governance and maybe the board will like play the kids, but it's like, hey, the kids need blokes like you. So I found that 2016 year really tough, especially when maybe I'm getting a game every week and seeing blokes like you and Mick not and a few others, and then you're at the door later on. Um, and then the same thing happened to us the next year. But I just want to talk about how did you go dealing with that, going from being in a leadership group and then pretty much showing the door within 12 months after being in a prelim? Yeah, it was tough, right? Like, I'm not going to, like, sugarcoat that, but, like, f- flash forward and then I'll come back. But, like, it was the best thing that ever happened to me. So it's like, you know, that you need to have that mentality Whereas like, okay, this is the reality. Like, what am I going to do about it from here? So there's that. But, like, yeah, during it was really, was tough, right? Like, uh, I thought I had a good preseason, beat you in the time trial from memory. And <laughs> you probably did. Moose <laughs> <laughs> and I used to actually just, like, take turns taking the lead. You used to butcher it at the front. I'd be at the front and I got these... It's like that bike riding where they overtake each other. I'm going, we what are these draft. pelicans doing? They're murdering me here. I'm trying to get to the top. But you, you would take out so hard. I'd go like, hard. I'm like the bunny. Come oh, catch up, fellas. We're like, geez, can he sustain this? And then Moose and I would, like, swap the lead, sort of drafting off each other until there was, like, 100 metres to go and Moose would burn off and I couldn't keep up with him. But, um, yeah, that worked until the, the high-performance guys you guys got to stop doing that. <laughs> um, but he had a good preseason, right? Thought like, um, I think we were top of the ladder the year before. Like, yeah. you know, we're going well. It was minor like, premiers, yeah. And then we just, yeah, for whatever reason. Mate, game, zero and 10. Yeah, yeah, we were struggling, right? And Mate, I, minor premiers to zero and 10. I don't think people would talk about this. We'll talk about this another time, but yeah. zero and 10. Yeah. It was tough times and the club just gave up on everyone that was over 28. Yeah, so I only played four games that entire year, a couple of which were Pav's milestone games. I think being, oh, that was a special game. Being mates with Skipper, that was a great, that was a great game. Um, so I played the majority of Peel that year and, um, and really enjoyed my time there. Like, real, you know, took a lot of the burden off myself to go down there and get to play with, like, you know, through different parts of the year. But, like, Zach Clark, you know, Alex Silvani, Tendai Mazungu, like, just great, you know, mates um, as well. So, and ultimately, we were very successful there where we finished, I think, fifth, um, on the ladder, but you know, got a core group of the 
the Dockers players in the team. And then we won every game through to the grand final and, and beat Subiaco. And now it's one of my most you know, cherished and, and fond memories and, and look forward to the reunion. And then you guys were kind enough to follow it's, you. Mate, to back I, literally, it up. I literally followed your steps. It was like, it was, like, it was um, yeah, not getting a game, getting shown the door a little bit, but played enough waffle games and, and qualified. And we were all like, well, let's stick it up. I'm Sam Collins of the world. Yep. We're like, why are they getting rid of him? He's a gun. You know, he's at Gold Coast now doing great things in the leadership group. Exact same thing. Why are they getting rid of him? We all just thought, let's stick it up. Frio, to be honest, yep. why would you drop us? We're going to show you why you should, you should have played us. And we had, a, we had a great group of young, you know, you know Lukey Ryans, Brennan Cox, Griffin Logue, Sean Darcy there as well. But yeah, it was funny. Like my, it was like, I literally watched what you did. And I'm like, I'm doing the exact same thing here. And it was. It's the fondest memory. Winning at Flag, I don't think people realise that's what it's all about, right? Yeah. Um, people forget that and that's only you know that's the last flag I won and same for you so yeah. it's pretty fond even though you went to a couple of grannies at AFL yeah no um, it's special but then like to go back like elite sports hard right like so I don't hold any grudges against the club they needed to change strategy or direction do I think that you know I still had plenty of footy left in me yes I was 26 thought I was going okay um, in that regard but like that's the direction they wanted to take and and if, if I'm the CEO if I'm the coach I'm going to go down and do it my way, right? So they, that's the direction they took, so that's fine. And I sit comfortable with that, knowing that ultimately it led me to the Giants, where I was able to extend my career and you know, broaden my horizons over here in, in beautiful Sydney. And, mm. um, and yeah, don't, don't regret a thing. You get, you, you get the ass, as we, I like to say, but we get the... We, we don't, that's a good way of putting it. Let's not sugarcoat it. How were you mentally? What were you thinking at the time? Yeah, so... I think we just won the Peel flag and the writing was on the wall through the year that it wasn't looking likely, but they sort of left us hanging till, till the end. So um, I had a holiday booked uh, to Japan with Zach Clark and Jack Hannah. So I was like, oh, I'm doing that. And then uh, Rachie and I went to Vietnam as well. So that was that was locked in. But on the side, I started having a few meetings with like prospective employers, right? I got the CV ready and I was thinking that, okay, this might be my new, um, my new journey. But um, in speaking to the manager, he said like, look, you know, there might be a bit of interest, stay fit and, and all those sort of things. Um, where I was in Vietnam and got a call from um, the Giants where they were like, Leon was keen to meet. So yeah, once I got back from uh, Vietnam, went and met the club and, and Leon and did the medical um, and Leon was pretty frank. He was like, look, you know, we rate you, but you're probably going to come in 26, 27th, 28th sort of person on the list. I shouldn't have said that to you. Yeah, yeah. I was like, <laughs> you just watch, mate. <laughs> but I feel like I was able to bring so much that I'd learnt from the Pavs and the Ross Lions of the world to the Giants in that yeah, regard. Completely and different game plans Different as well. game plan and, and those sort of things. So, um, but came in with fresh eyes, right? Like they just viewed me in a completely, you know, I was able to sort of reinvent myself in some degree. So yeah, it felt like that was a breath, breath of fresh air to come in and do that and um, yeah, and ultimately played another sort of six years with, with a great club. You're right, because you get labelled, don't you? When you're in a system for a while, they really, they put a label on you and then it's, and then when they talk about it in front of a group, it becomes, the, that's who you are. Yeah. Hard to shake. 100%. As soon as you make one mistake, even though you've made 99 good, you know, you've done 99 good things. And I know for a fact, you've got a pretty good story there where you challenged the coach. They said, why well, you dropped and about you kicking him, but you were you went back through the tape and you were 100 percent by foot. Yeah, yeah. Do you want to talk about that story? So, well, so it's called confirmation bias, right? So if you see something um, and then you might see it happen again, oh, there it is. That always happens. But 
you're sort of extrapolating, you know, a, a minor part of it. So if you're labelled as a poor kick and you make a poor kick, they, oh, there it is. But um, in reality, I worked really hard on my decision making and just tried to make sure that I played sort of, you know, knowing my ability. I'm not Stephen Hill, I'm not Dan Rich, but um, just made sure I was as efficient as I could be. And then just handball to Hilly when you can, or yeah. yourself, mate. Good, good users, of, <laughs> good, good users of the footy. So I think you're always entitled to entitled is a strong word, but I think you're allowed to stick up for yourself in the right way. And if you've got data or other things to to support you, so to not just um, accept things. So always happy to have those conversations, which with, which might come with with age as well. But um, yeah, big believer in that you can always stick up for yourself. Okay, moving on to uh, the Giants. Right, you get your second chance. You, 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 you know, breath of fresh air. We know how wonderful the club is, family-orientated, done it the tough way. Um, very similar to the Wharfies in terms of Frio, you know, up against it from the start. Um, wonderful club. But your time there and, you know, how you reinvented yourself and, you know, now you're sitting here and you've, you know, you obviously got AV going, but it wouldn't be possible if it wasn't for, I guess, getting delisted and then starting again. And, wow, what a, what a you know, what a career it was at the Giants. Like... Talk about just the journey in a nutshell. Yeah, just an awesome club and, and great people sort of in senior positions as well. So like, you know, I got picked up from the airport by Dylan Addison, um, you know, went out to dinner with Phil Davis, Adam Tomlinson, Matt Buntine, and, you know, all of a sudden you just like you're in, right? And there was like a very flat structure once again where um, everyone that's gone to Sydney to play for the Giants, like almost everyone has come there to do that as opposed to having their own sort of friendship group. So everyone immediately becomes each other's friends, each other's family, and so the bonds get really strong really quickly. Um, and the boys trained hard, like, gee whiz, like, you know, I was like, okay, we gotta go here. It was quite a different sort of training style at the time. Um, but then, yeah, just having the, the breath of fresh air allowed to express myself and also coming across with the great Tendai Mzungu as well. So we were like a source of strength for each other as we try and you know, build new relationships with the people, but um, bring some other sort of you know, IP from things that we've seen work well. I think that resonated and people were really open to that. But great leaders in yeah, Cal Ward, Phil Davis, obviously co-captains at the time, um, you know, Dave Matthews and CEO. Like The club just tries to think differently on how they can build obviously a brand and a club in Western Sydney, which is which is like, it's, it's hard, right, is that regard, because it's a new territory for sport and they're doing a great job based off the trajectory of numbers. Um, but yeah, just great people, you know, in terms of helping me get settled and Rach get settled in, in Sydney and now lifelong friends where, you know, Rach is thick as thieves with the you know, Ruby, Ruby Wards and, um, you know, Emma Keefe's of the world. And it's, it's just, yeah, great to see that, you know, we'll have friends now mm. probably around the nation um, as a result. Yeah, it's it's awesome. It's it's cra- it's, it's amazing how it's worked. Yeah, when you come to the Giants, though, I know what you're like. Did you ever set? Did you sit down with yourself and go, right? I, I've got nothing to lose right now. I'm going to go to this club and do exactly this. Yeah, it was. I think having been delisted, like I, I viewed my second chance a little bit differently. Like I used to sort of put a lot, a lot of pressure on myself and like sort of burden myself with that. I think like my habits were always good because people often say like, "What did you change when you went to the Giants?" I was like, nothing. Like except for the belief part. I probably had more belief in myself and I thought like, let's just go and let's just give it everything. But in terms of how I prepared and did everything there, that was all the same. So sometimes you can prepare the right way. It's just about opportunity. So when you get that opportunity, then you've got to execute. But um, when things aren't going your way and you touched on Alex Silvani earlier, he was able to go to Carlton and play a real meaningful role and, and have some enormous games, which we always knew was capable. So sometimes it's just about the, the opportunity piece. So I thought I'd just come in uh, and try and, you know, first year was sort of head down, bum up and just sort of prove myself out a little bit. And then 
second year probably started to ramp up some of the leadership staff and was in, voted into the leadership group, which was um, a, you know, a great, great experience as well. A lot of confidence from that, obviously. A lot of confidence from that and, and working well, the boys with the boys. The boys are backing me and, in. Okay, let's go. They're loving what I'm doing. I'll do more of it. Correct. Spot on. So that was like the little you know, result along the way that, that keeps you going. So, um, but yeah, just felt like I was given every opportunity I used to speak to Leon Weekly, where I'm at, what do you want to see from me in that regard. It's predominantly that high half forward role. Um, and then as it evolved, you know, I said to Lenny Hayes one day, like, you know, there's been a bit of tagging going on in the AFL. And I said, hey, if you want anyone to tag, like, I'm your man, I'm relentless operator. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> relentless to task. Relentless to task. So, um, I was given the opportunity to do that. Um, and the confidence, and Lenny, what a man. He's a great guy, Lenny, and um, I love my time with him. He was, yeah. so, he was actually so much different as what I thought. I thought he'd be really intense. He was actually really softly spoken. Super calm. Calmed me down. He was so, yeah, methodical. He was great, wasn't he? Yeah, super calm. And you've calm. clearly given him the confidence. He's, he's, when you go to a coach, I'd imagine he's going, all right, well, we'll chuck him in. Yeah, so I was given the opportunity to tag Stephen Cornelio in a, in a trial game, and like think, I know, I've heard you say, yeah, it was even, you probably smoked him, and Colts is a star, so you did your you job. Can, you can ask him. But no, we had like a super player, right? Um, so I think that gave them, okay, this, this can be done. And uh, so I was given opportunities at, at AFL level and, and just tried to you know, execute on that and obviously still try and get involved in the, in the game that you have to do, which I, was, you know, I like to think I was able to do, but it allowed the Stephen Cornelios, Josh Kellys to get off the chain yeah. a fair bit more and they were able to dominate. So I really enjoyed that role. Like, you know, I, was I, know of, you did. I was sort of the villain. I know you did. Um, <laughs> I, know, I, I just want to, because I'm not that we're running out of time, but we kind of are, but I want to get right into this tagging thing. Your mindset. I remember talking to you and you'd just be like, I'm going to break him. Like, <laughs> like, let's get into it. Like, like, don't be shy from what yeah. you'd be like. You yeah, knew yeah. you could break them. You had you to, knew right? that you, you knew you could, you could outlast them. You knew you could be more physical. You knew you could move them off the ball. And you knew, you'd be, you knew it'd be tough, but you were always like, I'm not going to break. He is. That's literally your mindset, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. It's funny. I actually have the same conversation with my baby Harrison now. I'm like, <laughs> you can't break me, mate. You may as well go to sleep. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Keep crying, son, because I ain't letting you down. So... I think with it, if you like match me up against any of the players that I played on, they smash me in every sort of attribute, right? Like speed, strength, like skill, like all these sort of things. So it's like, how can I match it or beat these people? And it's like, firstly, my team. So like they need to be on the same page and help me out where they can. And that was definitely embedded and got plenty of help from you know, Shane Mumford and the midfielders as, as mentioned. But so it's like, okay, well, I'm going to have to do more research than them. So, you know, with Lenny, we'd go through games and, you know, do my DD equivalent of, of looking at their, um, their modus operandi and how they'd go about things at stoppage structure around the ground and you'd look for patterns and then i go, okay, how can I combat that? So we'd, we'd do that. Um, I knew I had to be like baseline, pretty fit, pretty strong in sort of all areas, depending how you'd how you'd, who you're playing against, where you go from playing on a you know, beast like Paddy Cripps, Nat Fife, to someone who's a lighter weight in, in Lockie Neal in terms of like weight, but absolute star. So in that week, I'd try and lose like two kilos if I could and just trying to match that as best I could. Um, but then the mentality of like going into games where like, this is the downside. If I don't do my job, they could pull my pants down and win the game like really quickly. So, okay, flip that. Let's be more aspirational. It's like, we're in here. I used to think about like they're trapped in here with me rather than I'm in there with them. They're trapped in this cage with me and like the longer the, the better for me and I'll, I'll break them. I used to say to Lenny, I was like, they start with lots of energy 
And if they get a few, like, don't panic because I'll break them over like a period of time. And I like, just to try and give him confidence because you don't yeah. want him to go away. <laughs> yeah. All this, uh, let's half time. Uh, the Dusty's yeah. had 12. Maybe we move him on. Right. And sometimes they that. would. So I said, this is going to happen, but trust me, I'll get it done. So, um, and I was given the confidence from the coaching group to do that. But yeah, I used to just love the role of being able to um, have that attention to detail, be relentless to task, and hopefully let some of the boys get off the chain and, and do a good job. And I'm biased. I think there's still a role for it. Maybe not every week, but... Well, even, they do it like you, there is. <laughs> yeah, well, in the, in the modern game, I just feel like, you know... As I'm we with know, you. They don't do enough of it. They in, don't stop. Even in the back line, you see Darcy Moore taking all these marks. I can't believe no one goes to him. Yeah, so in, we know midfielders, right? Like, the boys want to have high possessions. And Kick a couple. So they might just chance themselves a little bit more, whereas I go, okay, I'm more like 70-30 defence. Still look to get involved. You know, recognise, all right, we've got our hands on the ball. I might run for a handball receive or, or otherwise, based off mm. positioning, but would lean more that way to like negate first and then go from there. And you just see players in the modern game just getting off the chain where I feel like there could be some more work done there. But yeah, I'll no. leave that to the modern coaches. Yeah, no, you're right. Well, no, I'm with you. I think they can play more defensive and then work off them like you did. Um, mate, you're incredible. Like it, we would walk in. I was only at the Giants for two years, um, but obviously played at Freo with you for six. Um, and it was the same thing. Whether you played the high pressure role as a forward, I still remember it. Your role was to get up hit the back of the winger, as soon as you get the handball receive, get it, pick it up off the ground, give it to Stephen Hill or whoever the midfields were and we win the, we win the clearance. Your role changed, you went to the Giants. You, as you said, you played a similar role, probably kicked more goals, but then you got your chance to tagger and um, you know you just dominated. We come in as a midfield group, I remember, and you're doing the same thing. Who are we voting for this week? And you look up and you're like, well, Maddie's, uh, Maddie's won the award eight times in a row, so maybe we should give it to Cogs because he'd kick three and not 30. But, mate, you'd win it every week. And it was one of those roles where you probably, and this is where I'd actually question you last one before I get to the fan questions, the Aces questions, is you almost were like forgotten after, I reckon, after 12 weeks because it was like you were banking them every week and they never got off the chain, even though you know mentally that that's not a sign to breathe out, but it almost can be for other athletes because you're not getting the reward, you're not getting the... The, the fix of the individual kind of um, the coach reading your name out and saying, again, we won because of this, 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 and Maddie played his role and that guy had 10. Did you find that hard once you just kept stacking them that they started to probably filter out, you know, reminding the group that you're dominating your role? No, I don't, I don't think so. And like, I didn't dominate every week, right? Like there's some players that definitely, you know, I'd say beat me and, and those sort of who things. Who beat you? But who beat me? We'll, we'll come back to that. Yeah, though. you're lying. <laughs> See, I caught him. He'd no, there was, there was, but I don't want to give him the credit. But... Um, <laughs> You can, you can often tell. Um, but like internally, right? So yeah, look, the boys would get around me and, and that's all you need. And then Lenny Hayes, I did my review with him. And yeah. what's great with Lenny was he's super calm, but he'd tell me when it wasn't good enough. He'd go, that wasn't good enough, mate. And I'd be like, the fact that he said it so calm, I was like, oh damn, I've like disappointed him, yeah, let him yeah. down. And you often know, hey, when you like, you might chance yourself on something or go away from the role for slightly. Yeah. So that was really good. And I'd have that, but he goes, but this was great. This was great. This was great. I think the fact that Leon kept going to it, where you'd walk in, um, I'd speak to him midweek, but pre-game, you'd see this red box around my name and whoever I was playing on, and it's like, and he'd always point to it and talk to it. I was like, okay, the fact that we're doing that was like the validation that I needed. Yeah. Um, so I didn't, I didn't need more than that in that regard. Really enjoyed the role. Um, got plenty of social media hate, which is always oh, funny. Oh man, what is um, that? <laughs> Used to, used to ruin people's either you know bets or uh, or dream well, team, you, but they should have just got on the unders because you used to clamp every player. They probably just didn't know who it was, <laughs> um, mate. It's, it's it's awesome. And the reason I've got my phone out here is because we ask questions from the aces, and yeah, there's it. a lot of questions, and I, I need to um I need to get these out. Let's go real quick fire, um, because there's a lot. What was Dusty saying whilst you're tagging him? 
there's a bit of lip from Dusty. Can you remember any any sprays? Yeah, she wasn't you? against me. Like I think you know, Tag is a horrible, fantastic player, right? One of the one of the best in the business. Um, I think Cogs was getting stuck into him a fair bit for me, and that's part of the team element yep. to it. Um, I think he said like Cogs, you're so soft, you can't you you couldn't knock the the froth off a coffee or, or, <laughs> or something like that. You have to ask Cogs, but yeah, I remember that. I was like, that's not bad. That's pretty good. Knock the froth off a coffee. That's a that's a pisser. I like that from Dusty. That's pretty good. Um, What's uh, tagging opponents? Just give me top three, number one. What was the number one? Don't give hardest. Them... Yeah, hardest. Hardest, oh, probably Pendlebury. Just the connection with Grundy and the lateral movement, and it was yep. quick, strong. Um, uh, Fifey, just like personal relationship. Just going to that game, I was like, oh, this is gonna be tough. Good mates, have to play on him, have to beat him up. All those sort of things. Um, probably, you know, Dusty Dangerfield, like just yep. yeah, super players in that regard. Great questions here. Um, from Joshy Manstrano. Uh, Rolly Edge, when you become the AFL CEO, what is the first thing you're going to change? Is there one thing you'd change if you were? What would I change? Um, Great question there from Rolly Edge. Yeah. This, this wouldn't work, but like bear with me. But we're NFL fans, right? And yeah. I think what they do, which is great, is that they protect their individual leagues. So like Friday nights, high school, Saturdays, college, Sundays, um, NFL, and Monday night. So this wouldn't happen. I don't yeah. know who gets what, but oh, no. I think playing Waffle and State League and VFL is like, it's, it should be super aspirational and to achieve and to play for that is great. I think if we were to say move all of, we'll give the AFL boys a Saturday night. So they, they play on a Saturday and maybe the State Leagues play on a Sunday. You get more people going to those games and, and getting around them and really buying in. So maybe we'd distribute the, uh, yeah. the leagues across the days. I bit. like that, yeah. No, you're right. you have, the commercials probably don't work. It would sense. be hard commercial mob, but you're right. You have to have it on one day, which means you have to have nine games. It'd be maybe like NFL, Thursday yeah, the night. sports bar would be going wild. Saturday's the day. You'd have we'll, to move. We'll, go with, we'll go with that though. Just the only, I've actually thought about the same thing. The only problem is you've got the juniors as well. So you have to find a way to put that's them true. in. So that's, that's the only way. I've actually thought about that as well. Uh, best runner that you tagged from David Bunworth. Runner. Who's, Who's someone that really runner? tested your physique like, um, um, with your endurance? Seb Ross was actually a really good runner. Yep. From the Saints. It's going um, really well. Yeah. Favourite player to tag. Was there a bunny? Come on. There was no favourite player. Uh, no, no. Time. I mean, like, was there a bloke that you just enjoyed? No. Was there a bloke that you got the better of that you thought you really did a good job? Um, You're a humble man. They're not, they, they might fire them up. They need some challenge. Nah, nah, there's no one. I know there's, there's, no one. there's one. I'll tell you off camera. Uh, favourite Power Ranger from Scooting 84? Favourite Power Ranger? Uh, I just thought I'd ask that. Uh, he's like Jason. There you go. Favourite yeah. moment of your career in the AFL if there was one? Actually, don't answer that because I've got the Milwaukee question coming up in a second. Uh, we've already asked the one from Delhi. Uh, Jack Colgrave, love your work, mate. Um, keen as fuck for this podcast was his uh, question. <laughs> but then he, and then he followed up with another one. He wrote, and this is probably my last question from the Aces before I hand you some presents for coming on. He asked, advice for starting your own business at a young age. What is your advice? Oh, I guess, yeah, tough question and, and very multifaceted. But for me, I, I touched on it. It's like you have to be passionate about it. And, um, and often you need to have like a unique insight into it. So they say sometimes the best founders recognize a problem or, or like issue that they want to solve for themselves and then they go about building a product or service for that. So, you know, you, you know you're missing, um, or you'd love to be able to do the telehealth and you'd love to be able to not have to leave, um, you know, to go have an you know, awkward conversation with your doctor and then have to go fill an awkward script with the pharmacy. Um, so the ability to have telehealth come and solve that pain point is really important. So recognising any pain points, you know, in your life or how you go about things and then can I create a product or service 
around that, but like, you have to be passionate about it because as mentioned, it's a tough and long, hard journey. And then just making sure like the, um, the economics of it like stack up where you, know, you, you need to be able to acquire customers and then often each new customer becomes more expensive to acquire. You often get your early adopters. So as you, as you go along that chain, is the market big enough to acquire enough customers um, so that the margin on your products ultimately return your profit over time as well. So just making sure that the, the uh, economics of the business stack up. Well said. I've got a question for myself. What's some advice that you'd give you to your younger self? What would I give to my younger self? Um, probably, probably invest more and, and more often in that regard. Like you often hear about it, but by able to sort of have that balanced portfolio um, approach, I think is really important. So you have that you know, diversified share portfolio in the public markets, uh, ETFs or otherwise that just sort of compound away and you just sort of contribute to that monthly, I think is really important. And then having that bucket as we're working on now for that you know, high risk, high return opportunities in the private space. But I think being more systematic about that, if I'd started that earlier, be in a, in a better spot. But um, oh, I think I, I like to think I sort of did it, but just like, you know, getting mentors in areas that you want to get better. So identifying those areas that you're incompetent in and then like getting a mentor that might be able to help you in that area to sort of fast track um, you know, through feedback along, along that journey. So recognizing other areas that I'm weaker in, getting a mentor in that and to help me sort of get through that. Chasm. Love it. Love it, man. It's great advice. Um, mate, that's all I've got for now. This will be, we'll be doing this again. Uh, you know, I've, we've got plenty to talk about, obviously, but you can only keep it. You can only do so much in one podcast and we need to keep them hungry for the next one. Mate, throw me those Rixies. You don't care. Well, you can keep them. Slide them out. They're yours. Um, but obviously, Rick's Eyewear, I've just got to work out what I've got you here. I've got the Tribeca Gloss Black Green Polarized Lenses. They are, they are yours, my friend. Thank cool. you for coming Thank on. Thank you, mate. Um, Appreciate it. Whack them on. I ask you a quick question. Rick's in retirement's the question. Um, so if you, Rach and Harrison were to, you know, you say dad's made a millions, billions it is, and now the, it's, it's, it's money's not an issue, right? So the question is, Ricks and retirement, where would Matt DeBoer take his family and retire with the Ricks on and why? One Ooh, location. You're a, a well-traveled man. It's a great question. Uh, um, oh, Tommy, for me, it's the, it's the people, not the place. So it's a bit of a cop-out, but like, but love Sydney as well as Perth. But yeah, it'd probably be Perth, but you know, I'd be down at City Beach or Swanbourne or over to Rottnest Island, rocking the Rixies. But we'd go travelling around Italy and those sort of areas. So first. you wouldn't settle in one spot? Probably have a house in Sydney, house in Perth, maybe a house in Italy, and we'd just bounce between the two. So Three. I, it's not, I haven't answered your question, have I? But well, you haven't. I need to show Rixies around the world, mate. You need, I need yeah, to go global. Hey, everyone can answer it differently. I love it. <laughs> I love it. Oh, well, that's fantastic. There you go, Italy. And um, uh, you can take them off now because my last question, this is quite funny, but I've left... I had Milwaukee Tools, they're, they're one of our major um, sponsors here and, and you come on here and you, you receive a, uh, a present from myself and I always, um, you know, I always gift it to you on set and, and normally you get a heated jacket but uh, unfortunately I've left it in my car in Melbourne and I've shipped it up here and the post, <laughs> he's left it at the door last night but he, obviously it was after hours so I've got to go pick it up today. So I don't have it on me, all right? It's going to come clean. I'm a man of integrity, <laughs> you know fine, that. So our friends at Milwaukee Tools, they are amazing. We've got these heated jackets. They've got batteries. You chuck them on when it's cold. Um, you probably don't need it that much up here, but in Melbourne, they're going off. Um, so I'll get that to you and you can send me a photo when you get it. But our question here from our friends at Milwaukee Tools is, what is the handiest moment? What is your Milwaukee Tools handiest moment um, on the footy field and off the field, but preferably on the field because we can marry it up with some footage. Is there a little highlight reel? Give yourself a little plug here. Don't be shy. Oh, 
thought you were going to ask me who's the biggest tool. I'll, oh, well, I'll I can ask that you that. Yeah. Well, who is the biggest tool? Well, I'm looking at it. <laughs> <laughs> um, That's no, why I didn't Definitely ask. yourself, but uh, handiest moment. I've actually kicked a few goals on my left foot. So I think uh, I kicked a pretty handy one against Brisbane um, off the half forward line. I think Lockie Whitfield ran up to me and goes, gee, I didn't know you had that, mate. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, maybe that. What year is that one? That was 2021. Beautiful. Left foot, Brizzy. Talk me through it. Just a quick play. Yeah, so I think the, the ball was bubbling out from the centre circle. Um, I'd sort of come up in the pressure roll probably and then thought, oh, might be a chance here. So I sort of spun out to my left, got the hands over. It's probably, I think it was against the wind too, probably. Mate. Yeah, like, it was against you can't the check breeze. That, yeah. and, uh, and it was sort of tied up against the boundary and jailed it on my left. And then, yeah, the boys got around me. So uh, send that one to uh, whoever, whoever told you you can't kick. <laughs> there you go on the left. Mate, I can't thank you enough for, um, for coming on. I really appreciate it. I've wanted to do this for a while. Um, what do you got there? I've got something for you, mate. I think oh. you're doing a great job and Athletic <laughs> Ventures water bottles. Look so at there that. You go, mate. Stay hydrated. There you go. <laughs> That's special. These are nice. Um, what do I get in there? A litre and a half? Yeah, they're a good size, mate. I know you work hard and there's plenty of sweat, so you've got to... Yeah, well, I've got to stop Hydration's the key. Thank you, mate. I really do appreciate that. Um, and I really appreciate you coming on the potty, talking about your transition, talking a little bit about footy, um, and giving some great advice to the listeners. Is there anything else you want to challenge the listeners uh, with anything, or are we going to round it out? Because I know you you always set the you know you always give people these random challenges, and that's what I used to love about you. You used to you know think differently. Yeah, well, I mean, I've, I've sort of talked about it before, but I think like identity is crucial. Um, so like as I reflect on on my career, I've talked about this before, but like there's two versions of myself, and depending who you are, if you ask the AFL community, they might define me as like the, the scrappy player who you know, got a game through someone else's injury, was like a tagger, which isn't a desirable role and never really achieved anything. So like, if I thought about myself in that way, then like to get up to do the 6 a.m. sessions, to push myself in the gym and you know, to keep rocking up would probably be harder because I'm like, oh, you know, what's the point? I'm this sort of you know, B-grade operator and that's how some people might see me. Whereas I sort of choose to define myself as this player A, so everyone's sort of got at least two versions of themselves, but like, so player A for me is like super hardworking player, you know, great teammate, powerful leader, you know, played finals 70% of the time or more, um, you know, was the best clubman award winner, like all these sort of points that anchor in like, yeah, it's worth it and I'm actually very good at what I do as long as I keep getting better at that thing. So always just challenge like people and, and you know, listeners or, or otherwise that are you your player A or are you your player B? And you might, at times going between the both based off some setbacks or some feedback. But if you can recognize this one and then choose to be your player A, that'll help you take your next step towards high performance or achieving your goals or your purposes. So choose player A. There you go. Choose player A, mate. Well said. Thank you, everyone that's tuning into the podcast. Um, can't thank you enough. Make sure you subscribe. Send this one across. This is a bit different, a little bit more business. Um, Maddie's very interesting character and, uh, Someone that you won't know that well, but you will after this one. But can't thank you enough for all your support. Um, Matty, can't thank you enough. All the best with AV. Uh, looking forward to some more updates down the line. And if you're thinking about having a, having a meal and you want to be healthy, you're probably going to GYG. So get down there, get a bowl, get some tacos, and then feed the Athletic Ventures boys some catch on the side. Thanks for coming Thanks, on, man. brother. Appreciate it. Appreciate it, mate. Milwaukee's MX Fuel equipment system revolutionizes the light equipment market by delivering the performance and durability demanded by the trades. From the MX Fuel cutoff saw and MX Fuel sewer machine to the MX Fuel power supply and the MX Fuel tower light, 
MX Fuel has you covered. Without the hazards associated with emissions, noise, vibration, and the frustrations of petrol maintenance. MX Fuel, equipment system, equipment redefined. This episode is also brought to you by our friends at Rick's. Rick's is an Australian lifestyle brand founded with a mission to transform the eyewear industry by creating carefully crafted eyewear that inspires confidence. Everybody should be able to enjoy a touch of luxury and the confidence it brings. See the world differently today. Head online now at rickseyewear.com.au and check it out.